Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Family Matters, our folk horror role-playing adventure in the village of Solemn Vale. Our protagonists, Graham and Linda Parker, having finished the tour of the house which had been left to Linda by her aunt Demelza upon her death, return to the village pub, the Bowler's Arm. Surely nothing can go wrong with a quiet drink, a piece of food, and some local entertainment. Graham takes the key from Mr Vingo um, and says to Linda, well, should we have a little look at the room first? No point in taking anything up just yet. Is there? We oh. may as well go and have a look. Yes, let's go and have a look. And they walk up the stairs. You trudge up the stairs. As you go past Vingo's room, the door to his bedchamber, you assume, or living area, is quite ornately carved. It looks quite out of place within the pub itself. But going along the corridor, past the bathroom, past the kitchen, private bathroom and kitchen, you assume, uh, you go up another flight of stairs, and sure enough, there is a bedroom. It's quite spacious. Uh, it looks like it wasn't... Uh, the attic hasn't been conservatively designed into a bedroom so much as a double bed and a single bed have been placed up in the attic without a partition. There's a painting up on the wall. Uh, there's a few what look like wind chimes hanging from some of the rafters. Uh, there's a window on either side of the building. And there's a small amount of light coming in. Electrics do come up here, so you can light up a lamp. There's a wardrobe for you to hang your clothes in, and a rug. Uh, there's a thin set of floorboards covering what used to be the beams in the attic. Well, this doesn't look too bad, does it, Linda? No. Linda goes over and sits on the bed. Oh, quite comfortable. Creaks loudly, but it's comfortable. Let's see what we can see out of the window. As you go over to the window, you can see uh, Holloway's Land Rover parked out there. Holloway is in the road and he is arguing with Samantha. Samantha is looking like she is being, well, torn into as Holloway is gesticulating wildly with one arm. And then she turns around and runs down the road. Goodness, I wonder what that was all about. There's some kind of disagreement over a piece of lost post or something, probably. You know, how people get affected by the smallest things in these sorts of places. Well, we really ought to go down and try and catch him before he disappears off again. I want to know what's happened to Mr Livingston. Yes, I, I agree. The room's obviously satisfactory, isn't it? Let's, let's, yeah. let's go down and have a look. As you are about to leave the attic, you notice above the door to the attic yet another one of these damn masks. Graham. I'd like you to do a soul roll, please, on a challenge. Six. You see that mask hanging above the door. It looks identical to the one that you found within your car. And for some reason, you just feel completely at ease looking at it. It feels like, hell, if you tried it on, it'd probably fit your face perfectly. Oh, look, Linda, there's another one up there. It doesn't look quite so threatening when it's hanging on the wall as a decoration as when it's stuffed under your car bonnet, does it? Well, no, that was a little bit weird, wasn't it? (laughs) 
I'm sure there's a rational explanation for it. No, it's probably just some country tradition. It's just a little bit strange that they shove it in the car. Well, it's probably somebody just playing a practical joke, isn't it? You know, it's, uh, incomers into the village, you know, they like to have their little joke. Obviously, with the event going on tonight, it's uh, perhaps a little bit of promotion for it. In some way. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Let's go and find Holloway. Yes. You make your way back downstairs. By the time you get there, Holloway is in the bar and he's talking to Vingo in a raised voice. Do we hear what he's saying? Yeah, as you're descending, you hear him saying, No, they need to be gone. Gone. All right, all right. And then you emerge. Oh, Mr Holloway. I choose to ignore what I heard for now. He sweeps his blonde fringe to the side, showing off his ruddy complexion again. Ah, yes, the, uh, Parkers, wasn't it? That's right, yes, yes. Um, you don't know what happened to Mr Livingstone after, uh, he came up with you, do you? Oh, he's gone. He, uh, went back to Plymouth. And did he leave a message for us at all? He, and we didn't see him before he left. Uh, he signed out uh, my paperwork, uh, apologised for the horrendous inconvenience. And, yeah, I'm sorry to say, but the cable house is mine by, by law. What? That can't be right. Sorry to say on your behalf, obviously, I'm pleased with the outcome. Let me buy you both a drink. I uh, would hate to think you've wasted your trip. Then you can be on your way. Oh, no, no, we, we thought we'd stay and, uh, and uh, spend the evening. He brings his fist down on the bar. <laughs> there is nothing here for you now. I... So either have the drink and be on your way, or just be on your way. Well, I beg to differ, uh, Mr Holloway, but I think there's plenty here for us. There's a room, there's some food, there's a nice break from London for the evening. I have no reason to go back. He strides up to Graham. The ball's on you. I'm sorry? You're not hearing me. There is nothing for you here. Now, you can be the smart city muckety-muck if that's what you need to be. But that doesn't change the fact that there is nothing here for you. There's no property. There's no blood connection. Well, I beg to differ, actually, Mr Holloway, because Demelza Cable happened to be my aunt. And now she's dead. Well, that doesn't change the fact that there was still a blood connection, does it? And what, are you intending on moving into her old house? Well, as if today was the first time I'd seen it, I hadn't made up my mind, but I actually rather liked it. So, yes, that certainly would be on the table. (laughs) You people. Coming down here. All the way down from London, you think you can just take what's ours. I think it's not exactly clear-cut as to whose the house is, Mr Holloway. Oh, I've got the paperwork back in my house. It's clear-cut as far as I'm concerned, as far as my family is concerned. Well, until we have the full... We go a long way back with Demelza Cable. Longer than you, he points at Linda, and especially longer than you, pointing at Graham. Well, I, I'm not pretending that 
Ms. Cable was a direct relative of mine because obviously she was directly related to my wife and not to me. But I think until we have spoken to Mr. Livingston uh, and got a full story on what exactly your claim is on the property over Linda's claim on the property, which, let's face it, was directly from Demelza herself, then the whole thing is not clear-cut, is it? So you're going to be staying here tonight? Yes, we're going to be staying here tonight. We're going to enjoy a nice drink. We might have a look at your little frivolity this evening. We'll have a nice sleep, and then in the morning we'll get back in touch with Mr Livingstone and see where this needs to be taken. He looks over to Vingo. Did you invite them to have a peek at our frivolities? I just thought it would be polite. Right. Yes, of course you can have a peek at our frivolities. Uh, it's, it's, it's a public house. I mean, surely the clue is in the name. and not the... Oh, don't worry. None of us are shy. Just wondering what your city stomachs will be able to take. Well, it's already taken a pint of Badger's Stump and I'm still here, so I can't see that there's too much of a problem. Can you? <laughs> well, that is a good one. Ah, well... Fair enough. Uh, another badger stump for Graham here. And. Graham winces slightly. And a shandy for the lady. If you're staying here for the night, you can drink, can't you? Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't do any harm, would it, Graham? No, no, no harm in having a, a pint and, and watching a, a bit of dancing now, is there? No. No. None at all. And Vingo slowly pours the badger's stump. But more or less chugs its way out of the pump. And then pushes it across the bar towards you. And don't worry, I've got this. You might want to let that settle before you drink it. Graham takes it and holds it up to the light and frowns at it. It's got some body, I'll give you that. Mm. And puts it back on the bar. So... So you're not going out without a fight, I'm guessing. That's what you're saying. What if you're referring to my aunt's house? I want to know exactly what's what before I sign anything. If it turns out you have some form of superior claim that is backed up by the law, fair enough. There's nothing I can do about that. Well, I guess you're both coming to my house tomorrow then, aren't you? Hell, we'll meet back at the cable house. I'll show you the paperwork there. Yes, absolutely. That's, uh, I'm not trying to cause unnecessary trouble here, but we do need to be clear, and I do need to check with our solicitors. I mean, that is why we employ them, after all. Well, I suppose that would take you a trip back to Plymouth. Well, not necessarily. We can get him on the phone if it needs to be quicker than that. And then we can take it from there as to what his advice is. Yeah. Uh, Mr Holloway, can we start things up? Let's let the uh, couple finish their drink first. Oh, don't wait for me. I think my stump is going to be a little while. Fine. Uh, yes, uh, Vingo, you can make people get dressed up and everything. You can leave the bar for a while. No one else is going to be buying anything. I'll keep talking to these two. All right. I don't think you two know much about what uh, happened at the cable house, do you? 
don't really know anything about what happened at the cable house, if I'm totally honest, because nobody in my family had ever said anything about Demelza even existing. So when the solicitor's letter came, it was a bit of a shock. Hmm. So we're just trying to find out as much as we can so that we have a bit of a picture as to what she was like and how she lived and, you know, as much as we can, really. It would be nice to find out about her. We did hear from Samantha that uh, that she was married to a gentleman called Andrew, was it? Mm, that's right. My grandfather. Oh, your grandfather. Yeah. So you think your claim on the house comes from their marriage? Well, my claim comes from the fact that it was left to me in writing. So how do you explain that it was also left to Linda in writing? It was left to me more recently than it was left to you. Clearly she changed her mind. Maybe it was a crisis of conscience, given what she did to my grandfather. I don't know. What did she do to your grandfather? She led him astray. Sent him down the wrong path. Ruined his life. In what way? He rolls his eyes. (sighs) How much do you actually want to know about this aunt of yours? Well, I'd like to know as much as I possibly can. You're not the first person that's intimated that there was something maybe a little bit strange about her. She was doing her duty, nice and calm, nice and quiet, the way I heard it. The way she was supposed to, protecting the village with her house. But then, she went and seduced my grandfather. Sorry, when you say she was doing her duty... Could you explain what you mean by that? Let me finish my story first. Very well. My grandfather was already married. And she snatched him away from his rightful wife. She had a way with him. All my family say so. She got inside his head. And she tried to bring him into, well, her guardianship over the cable house. And when he stopped pleasing her, because I think it's fair to say she was a woman that required a lot of pleasing, well, she started delving into... Hedonistic pursuits. I'll be I'll speak plain. The number of orgies, bacchanals, and who knows what that she was leading at the time. Uh, well, I don't think they're recorded on ledgers, but everyone in the village knows about them. My goodness. Well, that wasn't what I was expecting at all. Well, she led my grandfather down that path as well. She corroded his soul. And then she abandoned him to it. She went back into her reclusive squalor. She went back into her happy little solitude. And no matter how much my grandfather begged her, she wouldn't respond to him. She just would not go back to him. And he was left with all the, I guess, 
the swingers, the partner swappers, the the decadents, a place he never belonged. But there was nothing else for him. Even his family had abandoned him. She left him to a life of vice, a life that she was quite prepared to give up. And he became a black stain on the Holloway family. A black stain that's followed all the way down. Even though I was born of a son from his previous marriage. All the way down to me. All because she couldn't keep her legs shut. And when she finally decided to develop some kind of moral superiority. She just stopped caring about him. And so he was used. He was abused. My grandfather died a horrible, squalid death. I'm really sorry to hear that. Everyone in the village knows about that. And yet, what exactly was this duty that you referred to? Well, I've heard it referred to more than once since we got here, this duty. As I say, maybe it was a crisis of conscience. Ah, we get back round to that. Are you a churchgoer, Mr. Parker? Uh, I have to admit I am not. Then some of this may be over your head. But there are things in Solemn Vale, things people believe in that are true, that are not necessarily true elsewhere in the country. Again, I'll try and explain this in a way that you might understand. Some people leave out bread and milk for the fairies, don't laugh. Some people pray to gods old and forgotten. Some people think there are things that live in the earth that come up hungry. One of those things, according to the village, lives underneath Cable House requires a great deal of sacrifice in order to sate it, to keep it quiet. I can see the way you're looking at me, as if you've just stumbled into some kind of ridiculous pulp fiction, but all the village knows it. And Demelza Cable knew it. Which is why when she found herself consumed with love for my grandfather, her eye drifted off the ball, as they say. Things started to go wrong for people. So when she returned to her duty, he was the one who had to pay. Are you sure that you uh, haven't just been reading too much H.P. Lovecraft... Mr. Holloway, I mean, these these are the, the stories and the fictions of a hundred or two hundred years ago, surely? Yes, yes, let's say that. If that's what helps you sleep at night, let's say that. And once we sort all of this out, the estate can come to me and I will handle it. Well, after we sort all this out, uh, the estate will go to wherever it needs to go based on the word of the law, Mr. Holloway. You two just aren't understanding, are you? You're not equipped to deal with what's in this village. I am. What's in this village, Mr. Holloway, is a pub, a funeral parlour, a hairdresser's, a beauty salon, a rather nice fish and chip van. Uh... Oh, don't mock me, you jumped-up prick. 
I'm not mocking anybody, Mr. Holloway. I'm just stating facts as I see them, which is what our solicitors will need to do when we get to the bottom of this matter. You have no conception of what the world is like here. Well, help us to understand, then. If there's something we need to understand, then tell us what it is. Well, I've already explained to you that tomorrow, if we meet up at Cable House, maybe I can show it to you. Well, it would be useful to see the paperwork. I'm not talking about the paperwork. Well, what else are you going to show us? We've already had a look at the house. Did you see the hole in the ground? Well, no, we didn't go through the grounds at all, actually. No, no, just the house. Hmm. Well, tomorrow I will show you the well. Part of the uh, mines, presumably? Possibly, I suppose. Yes. As far as the paperwork is concerned, yes, that's exactly what it is. Well, then the, the paperwork is quite clear in, in stating the facts of the case in that, as it probably is in everything else. Holloway's looking increasingly tired of speaking with you. Listen, and I say this with no affection, especially for your family, but you do know that you will both be far better off if you just left. You never had this house to begin with. You don't need to have it now. What you've never had, you can never lose. But if you stay, you stand to lose everything. What on earth is that supposed to mean? Are you threatening us? Oh, you stupid bitch. Don't Mr. speak Holloway. to me like that. How dare you? We don't know who you are. You just turn up at my aunt's house in the middle of the day saying that you've got some claim on it. Then you spin us some story about... Well, it sounds like it's straight out of a fairy tale book. There is no helping people like you. No... Well, there's no understanding people like you, frankly. And, and I don't think we need your help, and I don't think we need to discuss this any further, Mr Holloway. You you get on with your uh, your fun and games and whatever it is that you're doing this evening and we will deal with this tomorrow. Come on, Linda, we'll go upstairs. You know, he calls at you as you head up the stairs, we wouldn't be having these fun and games if it wasn't for your aunt. What's that supposed to mean? What's my aunt got to do with it? She's been dead for ages. Well, this little celebration, Linda, and you really do look like she did, is just to make sure that she stays dead. Mr Holloway, she's hardly likely to rise up from her grave now, is she? Come on, Linda. And they disappear upstairs before they hear any more of this ridiculous nonsense. Are you intending on going out again this evening, or are you going to stay in the room at least until something disturbs you? We are going to stay in the room until something inevitably disturbs us. Yes, Linda has no desire to associate with anybody She's tired of being told that she should leave and she's tired of Mr Holloway. Um, She's reeling from all the revelations about her aunt because far from being a a nice, sweet 96-year-old dear, Demelza seems to have been a little bit of a character and um, her character is very different to everything Linda has ever grown up with in her own family. So she's a little bit of a revelation and uh, Linda is still struggling to process that. And Graham also needs to bear in mind that um, despite the uh, contention over the house, there's still a possibly lost car and jewellery, some of which we have. 
um, because at the end of the day, all of this is worth rather a lot of money, and he's not going to let that go without a fight. As the night progresses, inevitably, the sounds from downstairs grow louder. At first, there's just a rhythmic thumping that sounds like someone has got a heavy bass coming out of some speakers. But as time goes on, what starts as a drone becomes a consistent moan. And it's not disturbing as much as it is just nauseating and revolting. You know exactly what's going on downstairs. You've certainly got a good impression from the kinds of sounds you're hearing. And obviously there is a vulgar curiosity to see it. But at the same time, you don't want to come into contact with whatever's going on down there. Occasionally you hear a stumbling of footsteps on the floor below you. But no one comes up to your room. At least not immediately. It keeps you awake. Linda gets up and goes to the window at one point. You can see a group of people clustered around in what can best be described as robes having a smoke. Linda steps back from the window a little so she can still see them, but hopefully without being seen herself, if one of them should happen to uh, to look up. What do the robes look like? They're very similar to the ones that you found in Demelza's attic, although they are a little more modern in design. Do they have the holes cut in them that were cut into the other ones? Uh, no. Well, that's something. And then there's a boom, boom, boom on your door. Linda gives a cry and spins around. Graham gets out of bed. This is ridiculous. Just go and see who it is and just get rid of them. Graham moves over and opens the door a fraction. Yes? You can see the slender shape of a woman wearing a wicker mask. The mask is far larger and broader than her shoulders. And she's writhing in place like a snake as she looks at you. Could you do a weird roll, please? A four and a five. You feel the urge to go out and join her. Contrary to your self-preservation instincts, you feel the urge to go out on the landing with this woman. I turn to Linda. Well, it certainly looks like uh, they're having a lot of fun, Lynn. Maybe we should just go and have a look. What? Well, we're obviously not going to get any sleep while this is going on, are we? We may as well go downstairs and and observe what, what at the end of the day is going to be an interesting and unusual country custom. The hand reaches in around the door and clasps Graham's wrist. Uh, Graham, you can take another point from the weird pool. Uh, it is freezing cold. It feels like it's burning your skin as it clasps into your wrist and the nails dig into your tendons. I try and pull away from it, but at the same time, don't try too hard because somehow I'm not sure that I want to pull away from it. 
No, the, the pain tells you to retreat, but there's another deeper part of you that tells you to just grow closer to this cold. And so as your arm jerks back, it's like your body is stepping forward. Linda, you see this happen, this pale, thin arm just snake around the door and grab Graham and him edging closer towards it. You haven't seen the figure on the other side of the door. I think I'm going to just go over and open the door wider and see who's out there. It's as if you're looking in a mirror. Except this figure is wearing a mask. The body, in all proportions, height, weight, posture, it could be you in a full-length mirror. You are stunned momentarily. Roll your weird pool, please. Three, four, and six. You want to take the mask off. You want to see... You want to see this woman's face. You feel the same urge that Graham does. The same draw of your body and soul towards whoever this is who is just jerking in place, hips moving side to side, body swaying in a non-existent breeze. The wicker mask that's just staring, fixated at you is begging to be removed. As I'm looking at the mask, I I kind of feel somehow, not drawn to it, but I have this undeniable urge to reach out and just sort of lift it from her head because I'm desperate to see who's underneath. So Linda sort of stretches out her hands towards the sort of chin area of the mask so she can take it in both her hands and tilt it backwards to reveal the face. To an extent, it's unsurprising. Certainly on the level of your soul, it's what you anticipated. But at a very basic human level, this isn't something you want to be seeing you can see a reflection of your own face where this woman's face should be. It's a little older, perhaps, caved in around the cheeks, eyes a little deeper. Doesn't look like a 96-year-old, but it's you or someone very similar to you. And she doesn't stop writhing She just moves closer and closer to you and then takes Graham in her arms. I'm going to cut away now to say something in narration. What happens that night between the three of you isn't something that you're going to be able to remember on any kind of surface level. You do know that both of you wake up in bed in the morning feeling empty but fresh. There is no third party in the room and indeed there's no no mess, no signs of uh, conflict or tussle or anything like that. In fact, you are quite, both of you, nicely tucked into bed. Graham, the first thing you notice about Linda's face is it does look like she's lost some weight. Uh, But she may just be coming down with a cold. 
but other than that, the both of you just have a hazy fog of a memory of what happened before that shadow woman grabbed Graham. Graham sits up in bed. Well, I slept surprisingly much better than I thought I was going to in the end. They they really weren't very much trouble at all, were they? Apart from that um, banging on the door at one point, but uh, they soon went away and and I I feel like I've had a good night's rest. Yes, it's funny because I didn't think I was going to get any sleep at all last night at first, but yeah... Yeah, I feel like I've had the best night's sleep of my life. Isn't that strange? You're feeling all right in yourself? You look a little peaky. Do I? Hmm. Feel all right, I think. Well, that's all right. That's all right. I wonder if uh, Mr Vingo does a good breakfast. We'll have to go down and find out, won't we? And they get up. You head on downstairs. And yes, there is a feeling of refreshment about you. As you enter the bar area, this is the first time you've really seen the pub empty. Vingo isn't stood there, it's the morning, but you don't have to wait for long before a woman, um, you recognise her as the one with the pyramid of hair on her head from the night before, steps in from, you assume, the kitchen. She's wiping her hands. None of the decorations are up anymore. Oh, good morning. Up early. Good morning. Um, you cleared away very quickly after last night. Uh, I've been up all night doing it. I'll be sleeping today. Oh, my goodness. How did it all go? I think it went pretty well. How did it go for you two? Did you sleep all right? We actually had a lovely night's sleep, thank you. Didn't disturb us hardly at all. No, no, no. I slept like a log. She looks a bit surprised, but also pleased. Good, good. Well, in that case, yeah, breakfast. Toast, okay, toast. I can do some bacon and eggs. Oh, that sounds lovely. Thank you very much. Yes, bacon would be great. Thank you. Wonderful. She's looking very curiously at the both of you and shakes her head before she goes out into the kitchen. That was a little strange, wasn't it? Have I got something on my face? No, 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 you're fine. You sure? Maybe she just uh, thought that the beds were... Lumpier than they actually were, and that we weren't going to have such a good night. But uh, I'm half inclined to go and have a look and see what kind of mattress it is, so we can get one for our bed at home. Yeah, it was, it was lovely and comfortable, wasn't it? It was. It's not long before she emerges again with a couple of plates and a pot of tea. Yeah, well, you can settle up with Harry when you're on the way out. Are you leaving today? Yeah, we've got a little bit of a business to attend to during the day, but I think we'll probably be on our way after lunch, don't you? That would probably be enough time, I think, wouldn't it? I yeah. would have thought so. We'll, we'll telephone Mr Livingston and uh, and uh, see how we go. Yeah, well, Mr. you can use the telephone on the bar. Oh, that's very kind of you. I was just about to ask if there was a phone box anywhere. Oh, we've got a phone box as well, but no, you can use the bar telephone. It's fine. Oh. So it's all within the county. That's all. That's very kind of you. Thank you. But before we do, let's enjoy this bacon and eggs, shall we? Mm. Looks lovely, doesn't it? As you eat, Linda, uh, you at first feel refreshed and this is sating a burning need inside you. But as you swallow more and more food, 
your stomach fills up, you start to feel almost like you're coming down with a flu. It's like your body prickles and a cold sweat emerges on your brow and then runs over your body. Graham, could you pour me another cup of tea, please? I don't feel very well all of a sudden. Yes, yes. Would you prefer some water? Actually, yes, that might be quite nice. Does my does my face feel hot? It feels like I'm burning up from in here. Uh, let me have a look. Yes, you do feel a little warm. Uh, just a second, I'll, I'll go and get you some water. And he goes to the bar. You're able to uh, fill up a glass of tap water. I take it back to the table. Here you go, Linda. Thank you. And she takes it and sips it. A few sips. Mm, it tastes bad. Oh, this is horrible. It's only water, straight out of the tap. You taste it and see what you think. It's horrible. Graham tries the water. Tastes fine to you. It's just water. Really? Yes. yes. It's maybe, uh, maybe um, the bacon has just left a bit of salt in the mouth. Oh, I don't think it's that. It's a little bit more than that. I can't exactly put my finger on what it is, but it doesn't taste right. So Linda picks up the glass and kind of holds it against her, uh, under her jawline rather, against her neck to try and cool herself down because she feels extremely hot and very uncomfortable. You hear the rumble of a Land Rover outside as it parks and the stomping of feet towards the doors. They rattle, they're locked, and you hear Holloway's voice from outside. Open up! Vingo, open up! Should we open the door for him? It's not our place, Linda. We don't live here. We're only staying. No, you, you, no. you carry on with your water. I'll, um, I'll just finish this and then see if you're feeling any better by the time I've finished eating. All right. I really don't feel in the mood for seeing Mr Holloway at the moment, to be honest. He stomps over to the windows and is peering through them and he sees both of you. He raps on the window next to your heads. Open the door! I don't have a key, Mr Holloway. I don't live here. What's the problem? It's bolted. Open the door. What's the problem? We need to be getting going now. Yes, well, my wife is not feeling 100%, so uh, just hold on a few minutes, if you don't mind. He stares at Linda through the window. His eyes narrow, then they widen, then he takes a step back. Linda wilts a little bit under his gaze, feeling incredibly uncomfortable. He makes with speed to his Land Rover and drives off. Linda watches this in some disbelief. What do you think that was all about? I've no idea. I don't understand the man at all, I'm afraid. He is very strange, isn't he? He certainly is. Are you sure there's nothing wrong with my face? Because he looked like he'd seen a ghost. No, no, you look fine to me. I presume she does look fine to me. More or less. Uh, Again, she looks fairly wan. Her cheeks a little sunken. The areas around her eyes quite dark. Uh, It looks contrary to what she said, that she slept very badly. And yeah, if, uh, if she is coming down with something, it's quite evident on her face. Are you feeling up to uh, feeling up to meeting with Mr Livingston if we can get hold of him? Well, at the moment I feel really rough if I'm going to be completely honest with you, love, but I think if I get outside in the fresh air, that might help a little bit. I just suddenly feel really hot and, um, and kind of, um, oh, you know that feeling when you get the flu? 
Hmm. Mm. Do, you want me to see if do you want me to see if there's some sort of health centre or something here? Oh, Lord, no, it's not as bad as all that. I'll be fine, I'm sure. Well, if you're sure. Well, it's come on a bit suddenly, so maybe I've just... Maybe it's something in the food and I've eaten something that's disagreed with me. Graham pushes his plate slightly further away from him. I'll go and telephone the solicitors. You, you stay there. All right, thank you, love. See if you can find out what was going on with all this paperwork, because I'm sure that it's a bit wrong of Mr Livingston to have gone off and just signed stuff without even showing it to us or getting our say-so or anything like that. I'll see what I can find out. Graham goes to the bar with the solicitor's letter, uh, finds the telephone and dials the Plymouth number for the solicitors. You get through to the solicitors... And you're told you're about to be put through to Mr. Livingston, but instead you get Mr. Jackson on the phone again. Oh, Mr. Jackson. Mr. Parker, isn't it? That's right, yes, yes, I was trying to get hold of Mr. Livingstone. I'm afraid he's not in this morning. Oh, that's curious. Have you spoken to him since yesterday? No, uh, most curious. I, well, I, we assumed he ended up staying overnight. No, we, we've not seen hide nor hair of him, nor heard from him, I'm afraid. But, uh... I do hope he wasn't in any kind of accident on the way back to Plymouth. Well, indeed, but, uh, but... Uh, there's been something of a disturbing development. Uh, uh, what's that? Well, Mr Livingstone went off with this, uh... Mr Holloway, the gentleman you'll recall that we said also believed he had a claim on the estate? Yes, yes, I remember, I remember. Well, we've not yet seen Mr Livingstone again, as I say, but uh, we have seen Mr Holloway, who informs us that Mr Livingstone has signed all of Mr Holloway's paperwork, declaring that indeed the estate does belong to him and not to my wife. Well, that's unusual. Uh, I mean, I, I can't speak for Mr Livingstone. He may have had his reasons, but it, without a prior agreement with the Holloway family... Mr. Holloway in, in particular, it wouldn't be our place to sign anything of his. Well, if you're working in our interests, I would argue that it's certainly not your place to sign anything without at least discussing it with ourselves first. Well, no, uh, I mean, any kind of uh, fiduciary or a solicitor or the like can sign this paperwork, but uh, Mr. Holloway should have his own solicitor for that, and certainly Mr. Livingston wouldn't or shouldn't have done anything like that without telling you about it first after dragging you all the way out to Solemn Vale. Well, indeed not, and and we would quite like to speak to Mr. Livingstone on the subject, um, but we don't seem to be able to track him down still, and hence I'm speaking to you. I am terribly sorry. Uh, I'm very, really quite concerned about where he might be. Sometimes he drives fast, but it was a clear night. Well, I'm fairly certain if anything had happened to him overnight, you would have found out about it by now, Mr Jackson. Gosh, I do hope so. I'll have to... I'll call his home uh, and uh, see whether he turned up sick or or something like that. Um, Yes, well, this does put us in a rather awkward predicament, doesn't it? Well, you have to understand right now, Mr Parker. Uh, Sorry. My apologies... I've worked with Harold for a very long time, so it's very irregular of him to not just check in, uh, especially if he's ill or something like that. And uh, I, 
even if he couldn't get to the phone, his wife would have called the office this morning. Uh, so... Uh, I'm sorry, I am very sorry about your personal situation, the situation regarding the will. It will be sorted out, but right now my priority has to be my colleague, and I don't know his whereabouts. Very well, well maybe you could find out exactly what's going on, and um, uh, I suppose the best thing might be for you to... Uh, telephone and leave a message for us at Solemn Vale Post Office and we'll, we'll call him there and, and pick up the message later on. Uh, yes, right, I will do. Very well, well, thank you for your time, Mr Jackson, and I hope that we speak soon. Yes, yes, yes. Graham puts the phone down and returns to the table. What did he say? He's not heard or seen from Mr Livingstone since he came to Solemn Vale yesterday. I hope he's all right. Well, Mr Jackson is naturally quite concerned. I've asked him to telephone the post office and leave us a message there later on. Because we've only got Mr Holloway's word for it that he went anyway. Well, I know his car went, but what's to say that it was actually him driving it? It might not have been, might it? Well, I said that all along, didn't I? It's it's all very curious. Uh, but my concern is, is also for you. Uh, how are you feeling? Perhaps go out for a bit of a walk. Very well. Well, I I need to settle up with Mr. Vingo, but he's not around at the moment. I'll I'll see if I can um, see if I can leave the money for him. Find out what the bill is. Graham goes to the bar and looks to see if he can find the pyramid-haired lady from earlier. Uh, you can't see her at the bar, but you do see her bustling around in the kitchen through the uh, door's window. Uh, excuse me. And he looks to see if there's a little bell on the bar that he can ding or something. There is. You ding the bell, she emerges. First time I've heard that rung in, well, ever. <laughs> well, it was there, you know. I had to press it, you know how these things are. Um, I'd like to settle the bill, but obviously Mr Vingo is not around at the moment. Oh, that's all right. I can uh, sort you out. You can write us a cheque if that's fine. I mean, she looks at you and shrugs. Both look good for it. Well, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Yes, indeed. I'll, I'll write you a cheque. Graham takes out a, a cheque book and, probably contrary to what she's expecting, says, "Could I borrow a pen?" Yes, of course. She passes you on from behind the bar. So you are definitely leaving today. Uh, yes, my my wife's feeling a little under the weather, and I, I think we're going to have to try and conclude our business today and and get back uh, if necessary we'll come back again and finish off another time she's she looks over at linda and smiles i wouldn't say she looks under the weather i'd say she looks no i think your wife just looks perfect well thank you that's very kind of you to say so she certainly doesn't feel particularly perfect at the moment so i think we need to go out and get a breath of fresh air it'll pass it'll pass I'm sure it will. Now, whom should I make the check out to? Oh, uh, write it out to Harry Vingo, or Harold Vingo. Very well, and um, Graham takes the pen and writes with his flourishing hand, Harold Vingo, and the amount owing, and signs the check and hands it over. Thank you very much. Thank you for being such uh, lovely guests. Thank you for allowing us the room on what was obviously a, a rather busy night for you. It was uh, last minute prepared. We just uh, got the call, uh, told that we had to do it, 
and sometimes you do what you've got to do, don't you? And she looks over at Linda again and gives her a smile. Linda returns the smile slightly weakly. She's still feeling a little bit uh, rubbish. It is unusual, I have to say, that, um, that you hold these sorts of events at such short notice. I would imagine they normally take weeks of planning to put together. Often they do, and between between you and me, Mr Parker, not everyone's able to perform at short notice, but uh, we had a very narrow window. Well, I hope it all went off well for you. I would say that it did. Well, I'm very glad to hear it. Uh, we, we shall not uh, be in your hair any longer. Thank you. She thanks you and heads back to the kitchen. And then she stops herself. Oh! I should should remember. She unbolts the front door. Go easy now. Thank you, thank you. Oh, before you go, um, Mr Holloway was just here. I don't know if you heard him banging on the door demanding to be let in, but... Oh, I didn't. He, he looked through the window, um, saw us sitting there, and then just got in his Land Rover and drove off. So I suppose he might be back later. I just thought I'd better let you know. Oh, Jack. I don't think things went quite the way he wanted last night. Oh, really? What happened? There's always a bit of a push and pull between what people want in Solemn Vale and... I guess, as it turned out this morning, it wasn't quite what he was after. Oh, that's a shame. Was it not, not as well attended as he hoped or something? Sometimes things have to be done in a certain order to get a satisfactory result. I'm sure you understand in whatever business you're in, Mr Parker. And I just don't think he had all of the uh, pieces he needed. Kept muttering last night that someone had uh, taken things that belonged to him. And, yeah, he he wasn't sure about how well last night was going to go, and I'm guessing if he was angry this morning, on reflection, it didn't go well at all. Oh, dear. Oh, I am sorry to hear that, but I I guess it was through no fault of ours. We did keep out of your way, after all. Uh, And we'll get out of your way now. It's at this point you notice, Graham, that Linda has that necklace on that you found the day before. You have listened to an episode of Family Matters, a folk horror role-playing adventure set inside the world of the game Solemn Vale. The game, which is not yet released, is being developed by Dirty Vortex, and you can find out more on their website at dirtyvortex.net. Our storyteller was Matthew Dawkins, and this series is produced in collaboration with Red Moon Roleplaying. To enjoy some of their other stories set in games which are rich in folklore themes, such as Vampire the Masquerade or Mummy the Curse, find them online at www.redmoonroleplaying.com. Music was performed by ProtoU and used with permission from their label, Cryochamber. Cryochamber are specialists in dark, ambient music. You'll find a wealth to enjoy on their website at cryochamber.bandcamp.com.
If you're interested in what these recordings sounded like before they were edited, then join our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash thefolklorepodcast, where if you support us at a level of $5 a month or more, you'll have access to the raw, unedited recordings of our Solemn Vale adventure. Thanks for listening. See you next time.